Good evening and welcome All That Matters listeners. On behalf of IGMA Inc., I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to connect with me here today on our weekly talk show, All That Matters, where our brand concept for each broadcast is to interview and discuss topics focused on our blink strategic pillars, which are business, legal matters, education, nonprofit, technology, and or healthcare. Now, our special guests are committed to sharing great insight, resources, answers, tips, and sometimes strategies to help empower individuals and organizations seeking to cope and or sustain ourselves, especially in this new season of normalcy. So today, I am honored to welcome my very special guest, the Hank Stewart, founder of the Stewart Foundation. So Hank, how are you doing today? I am doing absolutely incredible. And I'm going to give you one correction, co-founder, because Gwen Mason, Yosara, and I co-founded it together. So I wanted to make sure that I gave her her proper uh, due. But I am doing absolutely, today is the best day of my life. Wow. I know that feeling. And you know something? I am so happy. All this time I've been talking to my Sara. She never told me. She just had me to think that she was just helping out. But you know what? I should have known. She's got it like that. But she is the reason that I have this opportunity to hang out with you today. So even though I feel like I know a little bit about you, why don't you take a few moments to tell our amazing audience a little bit about your background? Hmm, that's that's a tough question because it's hard to kind of talk about myself. I'm from Florida, from Jacksonville, Duval, you know it. So we yes. Duval, born and reared in, in Jacksonville, um, left Jacksonville to move to Atlanta to go to school, stayed here, took a corporate job or started out as a, a part-time job with UPS and ended up making it a career. I became a manager at UPS. I was promoted like four or five times in 10 years. So it was, it was a fast track. And then on November the 7th, 1991, I discovered my purpose. And that's, that was, I fell in love with poetry, words. And so it has just been awesome ever since. I guess we can get a little bit more in detail in the questions, but yeah, it's just kind of hard for me to kind of talk about me. <laughs> well, you don't have to really talk about you because your name, honestly, is a household word. When I started following you, for those that are listening in, your sister is a reason also that I have stalked you and you just didn't know it. I started following you when I lived in Atlanta and I'd always see all the wonderful things that you were doing in the community. And although spoken word is your purpose and passion, I am just curious with you leaving Duval to go to Atlanta, to go to school, to run into this corporate job. And then how did you find your purpose? I mean, what was that like? Well, first of all, let me just say, I, have, I had uh, two sisters. I have one now, Bobby, uh, my oldest sister, transitioned from breast cancer. And I always try to say her name somewhere in any interview that I have because I had the two best sisters in the world. I still have one. And they were just, both of them have just been, they were such an, uh, an intricate part in me being who I am today. But back to my purpose, uh, Miles Monroe once said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but the greatest tragedy in life is to be given life and not know why you live. November the 7th, 1991. Wait a minute. You got to go back to that one. You got to repeat that because so many people miss that. I get it. Yeah. Miles Monroe, he said the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but the greatest tragedy in life is to be given life and not know why you're living. I'll give you another one. Mark Twain said the two greatest days of your life is the day that you were born and the day that you realize why you were born. Now, I modified that. I think there are three great days in your life, the day that you were born the day that you were born again, and then the day you realize why you were born again. 
And so November the 7th, 1991, when I was a manager at UPS, I came home third shift. I was working, you know, late night and, you know, all night long, get, get home around seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning. And uh, on this particular day, I got up, I got home and I started preparing to, to take a nap and go to sleep because I was, I was tired. I washed some dishes, fold some clothes and uh, took a shower and I went to bed. And I woke up around maybe five o'clock that evening and started preparing to get ready to go back for a meeting. I had to leave a little bit earlier that day. And so I turned on the news that day, turned on the news, and the news was the news. Murder, carjacking, inflation, the typical things you hear on the news. The weather came on, and they were talking about floods and tornadoes in the Midwest. I'm a sports junkie. I love football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, tennis, golf, race car driving. I love it all because I love the strategy of sports. And that was the day that Magic Johnson declared he was HIV positive. I had never in my life seen the news so horrible, so bad. I mean, from start to finish, because at least, you know, in the news, if the news was bad, the weather or the sports would always lighten it up. That day from start to finish, it was horrible. I started doodling on a sheet of paper and the very first poem that God ever blessed me with was a piece that's called, Can You Hear Me? And it was real simple. It said, Lord, there's times when nothing is going right. Lord, there's times I can't find anything good to talk about. Lord, there's times when I cry. I wonder, do you hear me, Lord? There's times I've fallen. And I wonder, did you see me? Can you hear me, Lord? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Just give me a sign. And very softly, he spoke to my heart. He told me about Calvary, and this is what he said. Hey, do you know they slapped me across my face because I heard your cry? They pierced me in my side because I heard your cry. They spit on me because I heard your cry. And I died on a Friday because I heard your cry but I rose on a Sunday because I heard your cry. Now my child, you have it all something because I heard your cry. And that was the first thing that I ever wrote. So I started writing every day after that, Dr. Oh, that was beautiful. Is that printed somewhere? I need to get some copies and, and repeat that myself. That was, Lord, the title of it was, Can, Can you, you Hear, hear me? My Cry? Can You Hear Me? Can You Hear Me? Oh, mm -hmm. That was beautiful. And it was the first thing that I ever wrote. I mean, I, I, I never... Uh, thought I was a writer or had any desire to write. And um, and I always tell, you know, young people, I speak at a, a lot of uh, places around, you know, in the city, the state, the country. And I'm always asking to speak to young people. And I always tell them, you know, when you find your purpose, that's the day. I mean, when I found my purpose, that was the day I stopped using an alarm clock. Purpose wakes me up now. I don't need an alarm clock to get up anymore. If I use my alarm, it's to remind me to get up, not to wake me up, because my purpose wakes me up every morning. And so I always tell them, you know, when you find what God put you on this earth to do, it makes for such a beautiful life. And for me, I never wanted to be a poet. I, I couldn't even imagine being a poet. As a matter of fact, if you to put all the talent that a person could have on a table, the only thing was left was being a poet. I would have asked you, Dr. A, can we switch? You know what I mean? But man, I, I can't imagine anything other than being a poet. Now, I mean, I, I was telling someone, not too long ago, if someone said, I give you $10 million, but you, um, the only stipulations you could never recite or write another piece of poetry, I couldn't take that money because that literally would kill me. Wow. So is it safe to say that your purpose has fueled you into your passion of establishing the Stewart Foundation? Oh, it's very safe. That, they're, they're connected. And, you know, now my favorite scripture is Matthew 25, 32 to 46. And it's when Jesus says he's going to separate the sheep from the goat. And, and so this is what Gwen and I kind of founded foundation on. And that's just making sure that we do our purpose. You know, we, we're doing our part in the community. 
And and this is what God wants us to do. So and the, the scripture is very simple. It says, if I was hungry and you fed me, I was naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you, you know, came to see about me, I was in prison, you came to visit me, I was without a place to stay and you invited me in. And he says, when do we see you sleep, you know, sick and hungry? And he says, when you've done it to the least of these, you've also done it unto me. And then he said, depart from me because when I was hungry, you fed me not. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was without a place to stay, you didn't invite me in. I was sick, you didn't come and sit up. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. And they said, well, Jesus, when do we say? He said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've also done it unto me. And so to me, it, poetry and purpose goes together. Some of my, um, they didn't know my, they were my role models, but I started researching your, your, um, your Sarah, Nikki Giovanni, and Maya Angelou, and James Weldon Johnson, who's from Jacksonville, Florida. Langston Hughes, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, all of the poets that I know, they were also entrenched in the community. And they were they were very vocal about issues. And so I had to I had to coach myself up. I had to learn up, you know, because what good is to have the ability to write and not have something to write about or something that speaks truth to power. So that's you write, it has fueled me into my you know, into my purpose. I'm glad to know that, man, when time is flying here, I'm enjoying this rich conversation, but we've got to take our first break. So if you will, ladies and gentlemen, take that break with us, come back, and we're going to delve more into the Hank Stewart, who I'm riding with today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for taking that quick Kool-Aid break with us. We are going to pick up on this rich conversation. Hank, I have to say, learning about purpose the way you communicated it is essential right now so many people don't seem to know what their purpose is so they're just existing and if i had my way i'd say that's why a lot of people are unsure they're not sure about their purpose because like you said purpose is what wakes you up i feel the same way i found purpose bigger than my pain but we're not here to talk about me i want to keep going picking up on some of the things that you said and I want to start off by less breaking down the Hank Stewart Foundation, sharing with our listening audience a little bit about the mission, the vision. I know you guys have a pledge. Just help us see what it is that you have to offer and who do you offer it to. Would you mind taking us there? Sure. So the Stewart Foundation was founded on, well, what happened was Gwen and I, we were, we, we noticed something in Atlanta. And you, you, you know Atlanta well because you lived here. There's no place like Atlanta. The civil rights legends and all of the, the historical artifacts and, and gems and things here. And it was not unusual to be in any meeting and see a Dr. Joseph Eccles Lowry or Dr. C.T. Williams and Alma Clayton at an event, uh, Ambassador Andrew Young, Reverend James Orange, you know, Reverend Cameron Madison Alexander. I mean, it was, it was not unusual to see royalty miss coretta scott king you know here but what miss mason and i noticed was that the more we were attending these events and lecture series and whatever we noticed that their steps were getting slower they're you know they're i guess they were that they, they their words would become a little bit more slurred because they were getting older and that's what we all hope but we thought well, who's going to take that place? And so that was the purpose for starting the Stewart Foundation. So we're founded on four pillars. We have a four-quarter thrust, August, September, October. On the fiscal year, we talk about financial wellness and health and wellness. We teach our kids about money and being healthy. You know, if you if you can't manage your money and if you don't have good health, you know, you're in, you're in a situation. 
And so we, you know, we work with our kids on, you know, just money, just understanding, saving and knowing how to, you know, to really enjoy a good life, but still save and, and put away and, you know, and, and, and prepare for the future. And health, we have, you know, health uh, programs where, you know, we have uh, this thing called Games Down Activities Up where we bring out different vendors and we have all kind of screening, uh, diabetes, juvenile diabetes, teaching our kids about CPR, just a little bit of everything. Now, I'm, I'm not a health guru, but I work out every single day. So as we speak today, for me, is day 1,876. I'm sorry, 78 straight workout days because uh, I work out every single day. So I know that my health is important. So we teach our kids that. Second quarter is our community service quarter. We do a, we partner with several churches where we feed the homeless in November. We've had our kids to feed homeless people under the bridges and things of that nature. We've adopted a home in Atlanta called Gilgal, which is for women who are recovering from substance abuse. And these women, a lot of these women have never had you know, real, any real Christmases as adult women because they've been on the streets, you know, most of their lives. And so they're in the recovery stage and we, we've adopted this particular facility. So we come in and we give the women everything they need uh, to get back into the work environment, at least three weeks worth of professional work, clothing, you know, the shoes, everything they need to make over the purses, everything they need to start back to work. Uh, we actually get their Christmas wish list and give them everything on their wish list. We actually get the agency wish list and fulfill their wish list as well. We have bring about 200 volunteers out for COVID, pre-COVID, and we would clean up the property. Uh, we've helped put new roofs on, HVACs, and all kind of things, and Waffle House will come in and feed the women breakfast in bed. Uh, we have personal shoppers with them to help them match up clothing so they'll know how to match up clothing for our work. Uh, and then we allow them to walk the red carpet to this girl's on fire, and we all cheer for them. So we do that, and in January, our kids would have the opportunity to um, go to a senior citizen's home and sit down and and actually have conversation and dialogue with seniors. Uh, they would interview them and play games with them. There's an uh, African quote that says, when an elder dies, a library just burned down. When an elder dies, a library just burned down. So we wanted to make sure we get the books from that library before it, you know, before it burned down, and so we do that in in January with our kids. February, March, and April is our educational quarter. We do a Black History program. As a matter of fact, we just did our Black History program yesterday. We had Dr. Skip Mason. He was on. Uh, we uh, have a Women's History program. Um, as, as a matter of fact, we took our kids, our youth officers, because we have officers in our foundation. We took the kids yesterday to see a, a play, uh, a one-woman's play, Shirley, Seas I mean, uh, Shirley Chisholm, and it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Uh, in March, like I said, we have a women's history program. In April, we have a career day. We have probably one of the largest career days in the country. We average about 150 to 200 speakers that comes out and go into classrooms. We, uh, I sit on the board for workforce development, so we bring out uh, jobs for young people, for their parents. And then last quarter is May, June, and July, and that's our social quarter. We do an anti-bullying workshop in May and networking in June, etiquette workshop in July. And so our kids, you know, learn about etiquette. They have their own white linen affair. We give them about a five to $10,000 budget and they put on their own event where they celebrate their peers and we give out scholarships and, uh, and we give the students who are graduating everything they need to start school. 
uh, bedding, school supplies, clocks, lamps, uh, computers, printers, and, and a little bit of cash for money. So that's what wow. we're doing. I, I, I didn't even know where. I mean, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. You know, I was reading on your website your your mission. The fact that you guys believe in developing leaders of tomorrow by delivering programming with a purpose and teaching your youth or our youth the power of giving back to the community. I think you guys, I've seen a lot of mission statements, but you're living it. You live that mission and I am honored. It's interesting, I have our nonprofit, IGMA, and we do a lot of similar things, but the way you, I think we should follow, follow your model. I got tongue twisted there. I'm just honored to see what you are doing. And before we get ready to embark upon our second break, I just like to know how is it that you got to your creed? I went on the website and you have your creed. Is that the creed for the participants in your organization being the youth? How did you get there? Yeah, it's it's the participants of the youth and for you know, I think everybody if you have something to hang on to and hold on to and and to model and to and to use as a guide, it, it makes sure, you know, it's almost like, you know, driving if you you know, now we got GPS, but you know, back in the day, Dr. A, you know, if we were traveling, we had had the map quest stuff, you know, and if you didn't have your map quest, uh your directions or your map, you could get lost. And I think the creed helps us to stay focused, gives us a a direction, a sense of direction to, to where we're heading. Absolutely. And before we take our break, would you just mind, do you recall what the creed reads? Because I think it's something that most kids today, or better yet, if not the creed, the pledge, one or the other, kids today need to partner with you, and at least the pledge. So would you mind reciting the pledge for us? Yeah, the, the, well, the pledge is, um, you know, it's, it's really... Um, it's not our pledge. We we actually saw it, and Gwen was using it with kids. Our greatest fear is not that we're an addict. You know, our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. And so we wanted to use that as a as a focus. You know, that you you're powerful beyond measure. And so our kids, uh, again, like I said, for us, it was just really giving them an opportunity to to have something to use as a role model, as a as a focus for them, you know, and that you're powerful beyond measure. Absolutely. And I think if kids can reconnect with having a purpose for why they do what they do, I can't say enough about what you're doing. I mean, I just love what you're doing. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to take another quick break here. But when we come back, if it's okay with you, Mr. Stewart, I'd love for you to talk to us about some of the current initiatives how one can go about getting involved and let's just see where we go from there is that okay with you love to let's talk awesome ladies and gentlemen hold your seats and we'll be right back well okay ladies and gentlemen we're back and as you can see i feel like i'm getting a master class in nonprofit agency management hanging out here with mr stewart what i'd like to know is I get it. You guys break the system down. You have a process in which you bring in youth. But if I'm sitting on the sideline and I've got a kid and I want to get that kid connected with you, how do I go about getting them involved? And what are some of the initiatives that if they onboard it now or is it too late? Can you walk us through that and let us know what it takes? I'm just that person, Dr. A, who believes that the glass is always half full than half empty, right? 
And so when you look at the pandemic, pre-pandemic, we were just Metro. We were a Metro organization, Metro Atlanta, I should say, Metro Atlanta. That was it. And, you know, we had had all type of requests from people wanting us to see if we can start the program in their city and in their state. And now that we have this pandemic, it taught us, and here's the blessing, it taught us the whole virtual and took the walls and the ceilings off of our reach. So now it's real simple. You go to the T-H-E Stewart Foundation, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, Foundation, F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N.com, and you can join. We have our programs there. It's free. It's a small application that just so we'll know a little bit more about our children. But it's free. So now we have kids. Uh, matter of fact, the program we had yesterday, we had kids from Jacksonville and Mississippi and all. So now it opens the world up to our programs. As a matter of fact, we did an, our swearing in because our offices, if you go to our website, you'll see that our offices, they are, they are given, uh, there's a jacket ceremony. They're given green jackets for, you know, becoming officers. And this past year, we swore our young people in. We had the mayor of Belize on, and she wants to partner with us in Belize with their kids. So it's opened the world up to the Stewart Foundation. So anybody can join. You know, we, there's no nationality limitation, or and we're from eight to eighteen. We've actually started another program during the George Floyd. We found out we were approached by a lot of the millennials and Gen Zs, and they were talking about how we treated them during that during that era and how we were judgmental. So we started a new branch of the Stewart Foundation called Bridging the Gap, Taking the Torch. And so it's bridging the gap between 18 and 36 to, you know, older folk. And so we have another group that we work with called Bright Young Minds Academy. So if you go to the Stewart Foundation, you get a chance to see a lot of these programs and you get a lot of chance to see a lot of these young people and really just hone in on what we do. Our whole goal is to serve. As Dr. King says, if you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful, but recognize he or she who's greatest among you shall be a servant. And that's what we try to do, serve. I can definitely echo that. I have found in all of my jobs, all of my experiences, both professional and personal, when I have the opportunity to serve others, it just it's a different feeling. Speaking of, I want to go back to something. You know, a lot of businesses thought the pandemic was the end all. Oh, what are we going to do? But with all the skills that you guys are teaching, it sounds to me the pandemic might have been a blessing. I hate to say in disguise, but it was a blessing because, as you said, it opened you guys up to the world. Mm-hmm. What are some of the we current went, initiatives? And we went from programs like, you know, just the, the monthly programs to Toastmasters. So we had Toastmaster sessions in one week and we're to start back up. We had a uh, financial uh, entrepreneur workshop for kids and you know, we can bring speakers on. And I mean, we, so the, the pandemic allowed us to get to our kids quicker. As a matter of fact, here, we had, we got some pandemic relief money. And so with the money, uh, because Ms. Mason was volunteering with some, with a particular family and she saw that it was rough. This particular family had nine children in a house and it wasn't that the parents had nine children. They adopted, we got to really commend them. They adopted these kids to keep the siblings together. But what they noticed during the pandemic, Dr. A, was that these kids were all eight different age level and they didn't have a headset, something as simple as a headset for their phone, I mean, for their computer. 
And so they each, the, the first grader was hearing the third grader's teacher, the third grader was hearing the fifth grade teacher, the fifth grader's teacher was hearing the middle school teacher. And so it just created a whole bunch of chaos in one room. And so we were, we were able to get almost a quarter of a million dollars of pandemic money. And we, were, we asked if we could do some virtual learning things with some of that money. And so we purchased headsets. Uh, little dry eraser boards, papers, pencils on it, so the students could do their work and the teacher could see them do their work. And they could hear their teacher because the headsets went into their own personal laptops or tablets. And so for us, that, you know, that allowed us, pan the pandemic resources allowed us to do that. And so, you know, we, we're still growing. We're still doing some stuff. We bought a uh, Panetheon board, so now we can plug in the kids all over the country and they can, we can actually have workshops and they can see the work being done on, done on the board. So, I, you know, other than people who have lost family members and people who are sick and, and we're very sensitive to that. And we pray for those families who are trying to move on beyond those uh, transitions. Absolutely. And then for us, and then for us, it's just been a, it's been a blessing. You know, kids are 20% of our population out there, but they're a hundred percent of our future. You if we don't invest, if we <laughs> don't invest in that, that. Go back yeah. to that fact, because somebody missed that. Kids are what? Yeah. They're twenty percent of our population. They're a hundred percent of our future. If you're not investing, in, I always say the only way you can touch tomorrow today is through a child. Let me say that slower. Only way you can touch tomorrow today is through the children, because they're going to be here tomorrow. You know. Absolutely. So if you invest in your children today, you're, you're impacting them in the future. You know, and so that's that's very important. Well, you know. What some people heard was you got monies to help out and they think that money is going to last forever. And for you, those of you that are listening, money comes, money goes. So what about that person that's sitting on the sideline, too old to meet in one of those categories? Can we volunteer? Do you need resources, sponsors? What can we do? Do you have a slight, well, well, a place where well, we you're can- You're never too old. You're never <laughs> too old, Doc. I mean, because that, because that knowledge, that wisdom, that can be, you know, one of, you ever saw the movie um, Drumline? Yes. So one of my, I love that movie. So one of the things about Drumline that is really powerful is the fact that it was, you had new wave art, uh, musicians and then the band director was an old school guy. Right. And they were conflicting. They were conflicting, right? And right. so, but but the transition happened when the, the, when the band director said, you know, we're going to mix a little bit of your old school with our new school, you know? Yes. And it brought the, and it brought them together. When you talk, when you listen to, you know, Jewish families and all, they, they tell their history. They talk about what their parents and grandparents and great-great-grandparents went through. And so, you know, we've got to sit down and make sure that our children are having these conversations with the seniors. So that's why I say you're never too old, because whenever there's a senior, there's wisdom there. There's a lot of wisdom there. Not all the time, but most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, there's wisdom there. And so we, so we, we use everybody. We get everybody. We pull everybody into this, to this game because it takes all of us. It takes all of us for this fight. And so, yeah, we always need money, always need resources because we're giving away, we're, you know, giving away things like, again, last night we took kids. Uh, children have never paid. We only charge one time in 16, almost 17 years of the foundation. We've only charged one fee to do one thing. And that was we took two buses to the Civil and Human Rights Museum uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the museum down in Montgomery, the Lynching Museum. And we charged the students. Listen, we took them on a bus. We fed them two snacks, one going, one coming back. They had a full lunch with chicken and greens and I mean, fish, everything they wanted. 
for lunch down there. They went on a nice, uh, nice charter buses, two snack, a uh, serious lunch, and into all of the museums. And we charged them ten dollars for that. And $10? I'm gonna tell you why we charge. And I'm gonna tell you why we charge. I'm gonna tell you why we charge the ten dollars. The only the only reason why we charge ten dollars was because the majority of the time when we did events, if people didn't pay something, they didn't get up and come. Right. They didn't have any. If they didn't have anything invested in in the fight or in the in the trip on that Saturday morning, they would say, "Oh, don't worry about it." But it was something about putting that ten dollars down that they that we had ninety nine percent attendance. I get it. I I, trust me. I said when you got skin in the game, you know, it's I'm hating this. We're coming to the end and and I hate to cut us off, but we're going to take our final break here. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come back and we're going to try and wrap up this much needed conversation with our very special guest. None other than the Hank Stewart, co-founder of the Stewart Foundation in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, we say Atlanta, Georgia, home base, but we are worldwide. So if you will take that break. Come back with a pen and some paper because we're going to take some final notes of how we can partner with you, Mr. Stewart, to keep the dream alive. So, ladies and gentlemen, take that final break and we will be right back. Well, amazing listeners, we're back. In case you're just now chiming in with us this evening, our amazing guest and extraordinary leader in the community is Hank Stewart. And Hank, what I need you to do, just in case somebody didn't chime in when we started out, would you be so kind to share the contact information so that they will know how to reach you once we've ended this rich conversation? It's real simple. You can go to the, T-H-E, Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, foundation, F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N.com, the Stewart Foundation, or you can hit me up on at Hank Stewart at HankStewart.net, Hank Stewart at the Stewart Foundation.com. Uh, my number is uh, on the website, so it's real easy to find us. And so, yeah, we would love to hear from you, you know, but back, going back to what you just said, you know, we were talking, our kids have had dinner with President Barack Obama when he was Senator Barack Obama. Our kids have had sit down dinners with sit down conversations with Dr. Evelyn Lowry, Dr. Thomas, they thank you, Todd. They've had sit down conversations with, you know, Congressman John Lewis and, you know, Dr. C.T. Vivian and Ms. Rita Sam. So many powerful leaders. And, uh, and like I said, we've never charged our children a dime for anything because, it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm going to say a couple of quotes real quick because I want to get the men into this, this interview. And two quotes that I live by. I love quotes. Quotes are like many sermons to me. One is, it's our time, it's our turn. But if we don't do our part, that day it's going to be our fault. I'll say it again, it's our time and it's our turn. But if we don't do our part, it's going to be our fault. When I can tell you how good Christmas was in our household with my mom and my dad by the fact that if my brother and I got our own bicycles, it was a good year. But the money was a little tight. Get to share a bicycle. And then when we hit the share a bicycle, my brother would get up and ride up and down the street a little bit. And I say, it's my turn. And I ride a little. He says, it's my turn. And that's where we are. Dr. Vivian, Congressman John Lewis. And I keep throwing these names out, Reverend James Orange and Amelia Boynton and Diane Nash and all these, you know, amazing, Dr. Janetta B. Cole. All these amazing people have done their time and their turn. And now, Dr. A is our time. 
And it's our turn. If we don't do our part, it's going to be our fault. And so I had to say that because that's so important. And that's where the listener needs to hear. If they don't take away anything else today, they need to accept the challenge that is our time and it's our turn. And we got to make sure that we invest in our community, we give to our children, and we help them as much as we possibly can. And the last quote that I love, and I shouldn't say the last because I'll probably find something else, but <laughs> another quote is, uh, you know, and it's, it's this quote is really awesome. And it says, it is the responsibility of the conscious to make the unconscious conscious of the unconscious behavior. It is the responsibility of the conscious, that's you and I, Dr. Day, to make the unconscious conscious of the unconscious behavior. For anybody who don't understand what I mean, it's the responsibility of those who get it to help those who don't get it, get it, because those who don't get it don't realize they don't get it. You know, I'm a acronym quote kind of woman. I believe in all the quotes because I too agree there are many sermons. And if I can say one thing here so far, I mean, I know we're coming to the close of this broadcast, but I have enjoyed hanging out with you. The dialogue, I feel like I've been in your masterclass of just learning how to validate the fact that I have a fiduciary responsibility and you just echoed all of that. So in my opinion, Hank, you're what we refer to at IGMA as a community champion for change. And what you and my Sora are doing over at the Stewart Foundation, I just wish more people will reach out to you and in my humble opinion, join you on this road of change. We have, we have to do it. We can't keep saying what they won't do. We are the they. Can you agree with me on that? Oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. We are the, we're the change that we're looking for. We are the they. We are the saviors now, you know, that we're looking for. When you lose money, there's this guy said, when you lose money, you've lost nothing. If you lose your health, you've lost something. But if you lose your character, you've lost everything. You know, and so we've got to be willing to to put it all on the line and give it. You know, I'm I'm biting my tongue because there's just things that I, you know, I have personal things that I, I I'm living by. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm choosing my words very carefully. But it's our time and it's our turn. If we don't do our part, it's gonna be our fault. I couldn't agree more. You know, in order to wrap up this conversation, I would love for you to just try and package up what is it that the one thing that you want the listeners to take with us if we take nothing else? We've been gone on here for almost an hour, but what is the one thing that you want them to take away from our time together here today? Service service they got they, we got to give we got to you got to give and help with no hidden agenda no ulterior motive simply because it's the right thing to do if nobody ever says thank you to you that's not why you did it you did it because it's the right thing to do serve help somebody move somebody along you know you know out too many of our ancestors would send you know remember the lady at the church we have you know she had a third grade education but she would send a little package a little care package to kids in school and in college you know then she never went to college, but th th she was paying it forward. You know, they would, you know, have bake sales, do something to serve somebody else, right? Help somebody else with no hidden agenda, not looking for anything in return, simply because it's the right thing to do. Service. If you serve, if everybody gives, then, then it's going to be, the jobs are going to be taken care of. Just give, serve, help. And, and, and I think you sleep better when you do that. I know I do. I sleep, you know, when I serve and I give 
and now it's just a part of who I am. I, I love, I, I mean, I love helping. I love, there are times that day I'll, I'll get money out the bank and just get a bunch of ones. And when I pass, you know, you know, in Atlanta, you, somebody's always on the street corner. You know, you can just get somebody a dollar. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get 20, you get $20, right? right. Something that you're going to go and have lunch with. But if you get 20 ones and you give somebody, a, it's amazing the smile that you put on their faces. Absolutely. When you give somebody a dollar. I mean, you took $20, right? Forfeit your, forfeit your Starbucks is not going to hear me say this, but forfeit your Starbucks for a week, right? Or a couple of days, right? Because that's $5. Take that $5, put them in $1. And, and when, you, when you're at the street corner and you see somebody, this is my dollar. I hope everybody caught that. You know, I'm, I'm getting teary because we've got to wrap this up. And if I say nothing else, on behalf of all the lives you've inspired and empowered, thank you. I'm saying thank you on behalf of all of us because certainly today I'm inspired, but the clock on the wall says it's time for us to bring this rich conversation to a close for now. And I say for now because others can chime in with you by reaching out to you as well as going back to our igmainc.org website so they can click on the show in case they didn't get something, they wanted to write down a quote. But long story short, ladies and gentlemen, I have to challenge you serve, render service as Mr. Stewart has just shared with us. Because when we render service, that's the start of aligning with our purpose. We're not here for ourselves. Is that a safe assumption, Mr. Stewart? It's, 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 it's the only assumption. God, I mean, it's really about, I, I think what's going to get us into heaven, it's not going to be, it's going to be our service. It's going to be that we did the work. We took care of the least of these. You know, we took care of the people who, you know, they say you if you really want to see somebody's character, see how you treat somebody who can't do nothing for you. <laughs> if you want to see, if you really want to see, think about somebody who can't give you nothing, they ain't got nothing, and they're hurting, and how you treat that person really, it really tells me who you are. When you help somebody who can't do nothing for you, they ain't got no money, they ain't got no tickets to the concert for you or to the game, they ain't driving no nice car, they, I mean, they, and if you help that person who can't do nothing for you, then that speaks to your character. Absolutely. Speaks to who you are. Because it's easy. It's easy, Doc Day. It's easy to help people who can who can who uh who can help us, right? Who got something for us so we can get we can gain something from. What about that person who don't have nothing to give you? How do you treat that person? I'm with you. I sleep better at night. I wake up every morning and I say, what's my assignment, Lord? So mm -hmm. service is it for me. I sleep better. I feel better. Life, life is better for me when I'm serving other people. And so on that note, I know I keep saying we got to go, but for me to keep this role here, ladies and gentlemen, I must say I've enjoyed hanging out with you and Mr. Stewart here today. We want to encourage you to please come back every Saturday at 5 p.m. In the meantime, stay healthy and safe. And remember, what we value here at IGMA Inc. is all that matters to you. Good thank night. Thank you for having me. Thank you and for thank having you me. for being here. Good night, ladies and gentlemen.